Good morning. It is, it is really good to be with you this morning. What a beautiful day. You know, as, as was said earlier, yeah, with the weekend and all the tornadoes that went through, it's good to see the sun at times, isn't it? And to know that life is, is still here. If you've ever had the opportunity to be around people who spoke a different language than you, um, it amazes me how, how they can communicate with words that make no, no sense to me. And yet they get it fully. They understand everything that's being said. I mean, I, I've been there. Um, as a matter of fact, this past summer, um, a, a group from our church went down to Niños de Mexico in the Mexico City area. And we, we spent a week there working with the children's home. Our, our objective was to go in and do some physical labor around the place, doing some painting and some repairs and, and that kind of uh, thing. But in the midst of that, each day, we also had an opportunity to spend time with the children and what a joy that was. What a joy it would have been even more if I'd have understood Spanish. Um, it, it, and it's, it's those things when you realize my lack of ability to communicate hinders sometimes relationships. It's just the way it is. Um, and, and if you don't know how to speak with the other person and you, you, you struggle with that, you wonder, how, how could this be better? Well, it, it was good for some point because some of the children already knew English a little bit. And so that kind of broke that barrier. But for those that didn't, it was difficult. And I think that has been a struggle in our world since the Tower of Babel when we don't understand each other. And so eventually what happens is we separate. I found the same thing to be true years ago when I was ministering in Wood River, Illinois. And uh, one day, as we were coming in, back into the church, the other minister and I, Walter, um, there was a car that was broke down by the side of the church. And being mechanically inclined, I decided, well, no, I put this right. Walter threw me under the bus because he knew that I wanted, that I had some mechanical uh, abilities. And so he stopped and he says, hey, this guy can help you. So, uh, okay, so I got out and uh, proceeded to ask what the problem was. But there was a greater problem than what was perceived with the car because the lady and her children who were there, she was deaf. And, she, uh, and so I'm thinking, oh, this is great. How can I communicate? Fortunately, not on my part because I didn't know sign language and, and all those things, she was able to read lips. And so we were able to communicate. We got her car fixed and got her rolling and everything. And, and eventually she became a part of the church and, and, and her family. And, and through the years there, I was able to learn to communicate more with her by her teaching me different things in sign language. Now that's been 20 some odd years back and I, I really don't remember much of it. It's, it's difficult when you don't study things and use those things over and over and over again and they kind of put back on the back shelf how easy it is to forget Communication is extremely important, especially for Christianity. For us as Christians, it is pivotal. I mean, it's the, it's the primary thing in which words are spoken that carry with it the message of the gospel and how we express that to other people. It's not just by our actions, even though people have said, you know, you're the only Bible that people may ever read by watching your actions. Words are important, and those words that 
are encountered in faith, they have the ability to change that person's life for eternity and salvation is offered. Communication is pivotal. In Romans the 10th chapter, verses 13 through 17, Paul writes these words. He says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Through the years, I've watched and listened to people communicate in different ways. And, and, and if I can be honest, it's not always the same. I mean, if I can reflect a little bit on, on God helping me understand those things and what He has done for us and communicating that to other people is important. We're here living our lives on earth. We're busy pursuing our own agendas. We're doing our thing. And all the while... It seems like we've got a deaf ear to God when he's trying to speak. There, there's some kind of a disconnect. And, and he, we're not even paying attention to his sign language, are we? We don't hear what God is trying to say. And believe me, God has been trying to communicate to us for years. And his message is always right there. and We just aren't getting it. Either because we're not learning his language or we're ignoring it. But rather than give up in frustration, God decided that He was going to communicate with us in a more unique way so that we would be able to understand fully what His will is and what His desire is. And the most excellent way that He could do that was He demonstrated that love by sending His own Son to communicate with us in the flesh so that we could understand. I mean, that right there really is the miracle of Christmas. And that's the miracle of the message it's in Jesus. So it's not enough just to know the miracle of Christmas. We need to experience this miracle of Christmas in our own hearts and in our own lives. And today, we want to focus on the miracle of the message. And we're using one of my favorite Christmas movies, The Miracle on 34th Street, to help illustrate and understand that. So in today's text, or in today's movie clip, it, it takes place... You'll see Chris Kringle is seated there, and, and, and he's visiting as children come through the store and sitting up on his lap, and he's talking. Well, he, he interacts now with this young girl, and, and her mother brings her in, but there's something unique about this. And he's going to communicate with her in a very special way. And in the middle of all this is observing Susan, who's the daughter of Mrs. Walker, who kind of runs things around there. Susan doesn't believe in him. But all of a sudden, something begins to transpire because of the way he interacts. Let's go ahead and watch. You, you kind of see there, don't you? I mean, do you see the miracle of that message? All of a sudden, he had the ability to communicate to where she would understand. Even when it was thought there's no way possible. Just Watching the eyes of the little girl when he begins to speak in her language. 
It's like, oh, he, he understands me. He communicates with me, and he wants me to understand that. He was able to speak her language. Now, in Hebrews, the first chapter, verses 1 and 2, it records this miracle of the message this way. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. You see, God sent his Son to communicate his message to us so that you and I have the ability to understand what he wants, so we can fully grasp what his heart is for us. Isn't that a special, unique thing? It doesn't matter whether you speak Dutch or Spanish or English or if you don't have the way to communicate with words at all. He still wants to interact in your life and communicate with you. So we know that God speaks through history. That's the first thing that we discover. And he's always spoken through history in a variety of ways. And, and he's speaking throughout history in order to reveal himself to us. And he wants us to know him, to love him, to worship him, and to come and adore him. So, Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. Now, have you ever gone out into your yard late at night uh, on a clear evening and you, you've taken a blanket out and just laid it there in the yard and looked up at the stars and, and, and just, just took in the vastness of his handiwork? I remember as a child uh, doing that one time out in our yard in Beaufort, laying there on the hill with my dad, and he was up pointing out the different constellations and, and the significant stars and, and helping me understand just the vastness of it. And then what was beyond what even I could see with my own eyes. It's amazing when we look at that. And how can you not see the handiwork of God? That's what creation expresses to us who God is. And so he communicates just in creation itself. Matter of fact, in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, it says, What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and, and his divine nature. They, they have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So we're without excuse. Just by looking at creation, it's telling us a story about God. It wants us to see Him in, in how He has crafted it and in the uniqueness of it. And, and it demonstrates to us, it says here in Romans, even His invisible qualities, those attributes of God, that they're visible there. So really, we're without excuse. We've got to see Him in this world. In Exodus... We also notice that God spoke to Moses from a burning bush. You, you've known that if you've ever watched the Ten Commandment movie, right? You know, that, that bush is on fire, but yet it's not burning up. And somehow there's a voice coming from it. And, and Moses hears, and, 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 and he goes, and he takes off his sandals, and, and God speaks to him through that bush. But did you realize that God also spoke to the people of Israel while he was talking to Moses? He allowed them to hear some of the conversation that went on there on the Mount Sinai. Let's look again at Exodus chapter 19. And in Exodus 19, we discover beginning in verse 9 how God 
is going to allow people of Israel to hear his message with Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe you forever. Now when Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down from Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people, and you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up to the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death, and no hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. And when the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day, and do not go near the woman. And on the, third, on, on the morning of the third day there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast. So all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended in the fire. The smoke of it went up like a smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in the thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. Can you imagine being at the foot of that mountain that day? I mean, it, it sounds in the description like it was in a mountain with volcanic activity ready just to go off. You know, the, the shaking of the mountain, the thundering and the lightning and the cloud and the fire and all that's going on there. In the midst of all that, Moses is on the mountain. And the people are listening as God communicates with him. He wanted them to know why, so they'll remember everything that he says forever. And so he gave them that opportunity. And later on, they would tell Moses, <laughs> don't, don't ask us to go to the mountain again. That, that was just too terrifying. You, know, you, you talk with God, you come back and tell us whatever he says. It was that, that terrible. But God has always been speaking to the people in a variety of ways. And yet when he spoke to Elijah... He spoke in a very still, small voice. And so we see in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 through 13, he was said, Go out and stand at the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and a strong wind, kind of like Friday night, just tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? See, God doesn't always speak in fireworks. Sometimes he speaks in the stillness of the moment. In the slightest way he, he gets your attention. He spoke to Isaiah through a vision in the temple. 
Hosea, through his family circumstances, and Amos in a basket of fruit in the summertime. And, and he spoke to Jeremiah through a potter's wheel and clay. And, and Joseph, it was through dreams. God even spoke to someone through a donkey. But he wants to communicate to us. The message he has for us is all about his desires to have relationship with us and to love us. He's been speaking his message through visions and dreams, through angels, through the urm and the thummim, and through signs and symbols and natural events and many other means. And he could reveal himself to Abram when he was in Ur in the land of Chaldees. And he could do that in Haran or Canaan or Egypt or Israel or Babylon. Wherever it was, God could communicate somehow to people and the various means that he would choose. However, there is no lack of variety for God's revelation. It is not just this monotonous voice that goes out there. He tries to communicate in a variety of ways. To us today, it's communicated primarily right here in the Word. Or it could be in the moment or the experience or in the sparkle in, an eyes child, in the eyes of a child. But prior to the birth of Jesus... There had been a period of about 400 years of silence where God was no longer speaking. When Micah presented his prophecies, and then all of a sudden there was silence until John the Baptist came on the scene and he begins to speak as a prophet for God. But God's revelations in the Old Testament were just kind of what we might call fragmentary or, or occasional. They really weren't the full scope of things, except if you look throughout the period of history, then you begin to understand things. But it was just for the moment. But now we get into the New Testament and something has changed, and now we see the, not just the parts and the pieces and the fragments of the truth of God, but the whole aspect of the truth of God found in Jesus. God had been speaking, but people weren't getting the message. You see, like us, they didn't understand God's heart. They didn't understand God's plan or His expectations, and they didn't understand God's love for all of mankind. And year after year went by, and, and many men claimed to be speaking for God, but they only misrepresented Him to others. And you know, I think the same thing goes on today. There are a lot of people who claim to be speaking for God, but the truth is they're misrepresenting Him. And confusion, not clarity, results. The second thing I think we need to understand is that God has not only spoken through history, but He speaks through Jesus Christ. Well, that's, that's the important part. Now at the last, He says, God sent His Son to bring His message to us. And in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has revealed Himself to us. And so John chapter 8, verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. See, God is still trying to speak to us, but He's speaking us through Jesus, and He's speaking only what the Father has given Him authority to speak. And in John twelve forty nine, He says, For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me has Himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. It's true that God revealed Himself through words spoken by Jesus and through His message, but He did more than just that. So in John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says, Truly, 
Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So you see, in Jesus, everything He said and everything He did was God's way of communicating to us what His plan for our redemption was all about. So Jesus is that message. I mean, he's this, this, his actions in life directed us to the Father so that we can understand him fully. The miracles that he performed were signs to drive people to listen to the message. That's why he didn't. He didn't just go around healing people and walking on water because it was a cool thing to do. It was his way of communicating to the world his love for them. And he did that through Jesus. We've got to see that. Jesus Christ is the living, divine Son of God. And He did more than just proclaim God's message. He is God's message. You see, that is the miracle of Christmas. The miracle of the message is Jesus. He is the embodiment of of the message, the Word of God. He came to reveal God and to make Him known to us in ways that that we can then be able to understand. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say in verse 3, he says in chapter 1, He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And and then John's gospel goes on to declare that Jesus as the Word becoming flesh and living in this world amongst us. And if you want to know what God looks like, this is what Paul tells us to do in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. He says, He's the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the the head of the body. When you think of somebody, you you picture their, their face, don't you? You don't picture their feet. Unless you're a really shy person, then that's all you see. But, but that's what we do. He, when we think of the body of Christ, we look to the head. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all, repeat that, for in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of Jesus. He is the message. Philip asked Jesus one time to show him the Father. They're in John chapter 14, verse 9, and Jesus says to him, Have have I been with you so long and you still don't even know me? Philip, he says, whoever has seen me has 
seen the Father. Well, how can you keep saying, well, show us the Father? If we want to know what God is like and we want to know who He is, it is simply that we discover Him and His words and His message and everything about Him fully by looking at Jesus. Jesus declared in John 10.30, I and the Father are one. How much closer could God get to communicate to us than coming into this world Himself? He wanted us to hear His message. We can't continue to be deaf to it. But not only does God speak to us through history and also through His Son, but He speaks to transform our lives. So the miracle of the message is not just the fact that God speaks to us today through His Son, but that the message has the power to literally transform your life. Christmas is a celebration of the greatest message that was ever proclaimed. Emmanuel. That's what the prophet said. You'll you'll give him the name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God actually came here to be with us, to relate to us on our level so, so that we could have the understanding of what He wants. He learned to speak our language. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, it says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, Christ Jesus. What's a mediator do? He helps carry the message, doesn't he? He speaks on your behalf, doesn't he? I mean, that's, that's what we have court advocates and liaisons to speak on behalf of us so that we don't have to stand there and, and mutter something that seems unintelligible. And so Jesus then is the mediator who communicates for God to us and for us to God so that there's a full understanding of where things are. And this mediator, he gave himself up as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Now, the miracle of the message about Jesus Christ is reconciling the world to himself. And Jesus came so that God could reveal himself and his plan in a way that we wouldn't misinterpret. And yet somehow we still do it, don't we? We are still getting our words jumbled around, and we don't quite make sense of why he would do that for us. But that's exactly what he did. Because He wants to transform your life. He wants to make you into something that is totally different than what you have been making yourself into. He wants to make you something that is pure and holy and righteous and good. You see, Jesus came to proclaim God's message that we can be set free from sin's hold on our lives. We just need to connect with Him by putting our faith in Him, being baptized into His name, living our lives in obedience to Him from here on out, trying to connect with His teachings and His understanding. And in doing so, we become united with Him in a unique way that salvation is guaranteed. Listen to what Paul writes to the church at Rome, in Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. For if we had been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united 
with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified in order that with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. You catch that? Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, who is being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life that He lives... He lives to God. So then he says, so you and I also, we we must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So why did he come into this world? To communicate with us so we would hear, we would understand, we would believe, but that then we would unite ourselves with Him by putting our faith and our trust in Him and allowing His grace to cover us and do marvelous things so that we are somebody that is totally new and somebody that is totally different than what we were making. So that the sin in our life no longer has mastery or control over us and the death that we have to die is not an eternal death, but it's eternal death of sin and eternal life of grace. And I ask myself, why would he do that? Well, because he wants me to know how much he loves me. I mean, that's why he he came into this world to communicate with us. He wants you to know how much he loves you. So he made himself vulnerable. Even coming into this world rather than as some of the other appearances of angels and stuff came fully alive, but he came as a baby. How much more vulnerable can you get than that? And he put himself in the hands of his creation. Now that's trust, that's love. He came to proclaim a message that we have been set free and we don't have to live as prisoners of guilt and regret any longer. Did you catch that? We're free. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 22 and 26, he says, But now that you have been set free from sin, and you become slaves to God. No, I'm free, but I'm a slave. Well, because... You're going to be a slave to somebody, Paul tells us, either a slave to righteousness or a slave to sin and death. One way or the other. You're not your own master. It doesn't matter. So you can either be a slave to sin and be, or you can be set free from that and become a slave to Christ, which is a much more glorious thought because of what he's done for us. Because then he says the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end is what? Eternal life. So the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a blessing that that is. Some of you this past year have received messages that have certainly changed your lives. You've had a conversation maybe with your doctor and he said, well, you've got cancer. Maybe you've had a conversation with your employer and they said, well, you're fired. We just don't need you anymore. 
Or maybe it's a conversation with a spouse that said, I just don't love you anymore. As a matter of fact, I, I think I need a divorce. Or maybe it was with that three or four-year-old toddler who says, I hate you. Now, these are difficult things to hear, these kinds of messages. But in the midst of all, there's this other message that I think is ringing loud and clear, and we need to hear it. And it's found in Romans 8, 35, 38, and 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or stress or persecution or famine or nakedness or, or danger or sword? I mean, what's going to separate you from his love? He says, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the message. And that's a miracle, isn't it? Nothing can separate us from His love. So God speaks in the midst of confusion, and He says, Trust the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Are you willing to trust Him? Set aside what you can, in your own comprehension... Put that on another table and don't pick it up and just let him make the decisions for you. Can, can you do that? You see, in the midst of life's betrayals and bitter messages, Jesus whispers to us in Luke 6, verse 27 through 29, he says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And, and, and from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. That's a different message than what the world is telling us. The world tells us to fight back. The world tells us to hate those people around you who don't agree with you, who are different than you. And we see that so much in our world today that there is this dividing part of if you're not with me, you're against me. Matter of fact, I think they're already assuming that you're against them to begin with before they're willing to bring you into their side. But Jesus wants, to hear this, wants us to hear the message, we need to love others. You know, our, our church, we have this idea that we want to be making disciples who, who make disciples, who make disciples, who love God and others. And we don't differentiate between the two. See, because Jesus tells us we need to love our God in heaven with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we also, he says, the second is like it. They go hand in hand. You've got to love one another. And in a world that is filled with hate, let's be different. Let's love in the midst of all of life messages, there's this surrounding, resounding shout of joy and celebration that, that Jesus shouts. He says, rejoice with exceedingly great joy. Man, we ought to be happy because we're at least listening to the message, aren't we? We're getting it. We're not ignoring it. We're not turning a deaf ear to it. 
The miracle of Christmas is the miracle of the message that God loves you and me. And he demonstrated that by sending his son, his very words. But are you listening? Believing the message that God is speaking to, I believe that your life will be changed forever. There's no other way around it. And trust me, he speaks your language. And not necessarily the words that come out of your mouth. He speaks the language of your heart. Even when you don't know what to say, his spirit has the ability to interpret the groanings of your soul. But are you willing to listen to Him? Just stand with me. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful. Oh, we are so thankful that You sent Jesus into this world. Because, Father, we made a mess of it. And we're still making a mess of it. We can't turn on the news or go through the the Internet today without seeing the mess that we're creating. And, And, Father, it's just that people need to hear about Your love. They need to hear about what you have prepared in advance for us, what you have done through your son Jesus. And, and Father, how you've been speaking not only throughout all history, but even in these last days through him to us. Open our hearts. Open our ears to hear. And Father, we'll be transformed.